0: Welcome to Engineering Stories, a podcast presented and produced by Silver Fox and the Institution of Engineering Technology. This week's guest is Amber Oliphant. Amber is an Assistant Project Engineer at High Speed Rail Solutions. She discusses her professional journey and shares her perspective of working as a woman in the industry. So without further ado, let's get to it. Hello and welcome to Engineering Stories. My name is Alex. I am the head of research and development at Silver Fox. Alongside me today I have Nicoletta.
1: Thank you, Alex. Yes, my name is Nicoletta and I'm a second year student at the University of Greenwich on electrical and electronic engineering.
0: And our special guest today is Amber Oliphant. Amber, do you want to introduce yourself?
2: Hi, um so I am one of the assistant project engineers at High Speed Rail Solutions and we integrate complex railway infrastructure systems and demonstrate that they're safe, reliable and compliant. So we mainly focus on making sure that all those that interact with the railway remain free from harm, that trains keep moving and that project entities meet their legal obligations.
0: Brilliant. My first question is always, can you tell us what you do? But I think you've just done it.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah cover that one off quick.
0: That's that's that question in the bin. Right, OK. <laughs> what does a systems project engineer do
2: so we support um infrastructure managers like network rail local authorities and other professional service companies across the full life cycle to safely integrate new projects and systems into existing functional infrastructure within the railway. So it's essentially um, just making sure all safety aspects covered, we help produce safety documentation and just work with different people across um, the project lifecycle just to make sure that everything and everyone that interacts with it is safe.
0: Brilliant. it's pretty interesting. Um, So let's go back a few years. Um, Your route into engineering wasn't, I wouldn't say... It's not typical, but it was a bit different. Um, do, you to, do you want to take us to the beginning? What made you decide to do engineering?
2: Yeah, so um, from probably being about the age of thirty, I was like, I'm going to be an engineer. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I didn't have any other plan. Um, my dad's military, so we used to move every two years. And we were living just outside of London. And part of my school placement was sort of work experience placement. We went and did some work with Heathrow Airport, and worked across different sectors and looked at different potential career opportunities. And there was one that was in the maintenance department and I loved it, I was like, that's what I'm gonna do. And it, you know, it's nothing even close to what I'm doing now, but I think it just sort of opened my eyes into what I wanted to do. So from there, that was just before I chose my options in school and I chose construction, engineering, product design and a language um so completed that in school and then from there went to college and i studied general engineering um for a year and initially i was like i'm gonna join the raf that's what i'm gonna do um and i couldn't join because of the medical requirements so my eyesight wasn't good enough so i was like gosh what am i gonna do now like that's it and the college that i was at um they had like a careers fair and there was a company um that i ended up getting an apprenticeship for which was in the automotive industry and they made car chassis and subframes for major european car manufacturers so the likes of jaguar land Rover, nissan all the main bodies of the car would come from us and i was a toolmaker there so that was a four-year apprenticeship and in that i studied um my level three extended diploma in engineering and advanced manufacturing and then my hnc mechanical engineering and my apprenticeship essentially is so different to what I'm doing now. It was very hands-on, very manual sort of role. Um, and it was working between the machine section, So that was all of your manual and automated machining. Like so if you live some machines. And then it was the die maintenance department, which was attending live breakdowns and um, general maintenance and PPMs on tools. And then it was also the ancillary section, which was the likes of your idle stations for the presses, the feed arms, the fingers, everything that would sort of aid the parts to go through the press. Um, So you would sort of be on a rotation in the different departments in the tool room. Um, And I did that for four years and that was a great apprenticeship. I think it gave me um, a really good solid engineering background to be able to branch out and move into different types of roles which was great. That was a that was my route into into work really, but yeah, all my friends have gone down the university route and I've like been working since I was like 16. So it, mm. it's very different, but I think it was probably the best thing for me. I enjoyed being hands-on and I I felt like I learned a lot more and a lot quicker and a lot better for what I wanted to do. Um through that route and even now, you know, like I work for a safety consultancy and having that like real appreciation of a manual role and the like the environments that you can be in, you know, I'm helping to make sure that everyone that interacts with it is safe and that includes people carrying out maintenance and to have had that sort of background puts you in good stead and really gives you an idea of what you need to think about and the implications if you don't. Um, so yeah, that was my route in.
0: You said engineering at age 13. Was there something that you wanted to do before then?
2: No, I never really crossed my mind. And I was like, oh, I'm not really sure. And I think for the fact that we would move so often, my mum and dad were always really conscious of saying to me, you need to think about what you're going to do when you're older. You know, you move quite a lot. You need to start thinking about where your life wants to take you for yourself. Um... And we stopped moving around when I was 15, 16. So it was perfect timing because I moved into my apprenticeship and I could stay there for the mm. full time of it. But beforehand, I don't think I'd never... i have never really thought about what I wanted to do until that point. And I was just sort of like, oh, this is this is perfect. This is what i do." I don't know what I'd do now. Like, it's not even a thing of thinking, oh, God, was I making a decision on a spur-of-the-moment work experience when I was 13, but I genuinely don't know what else I'd do now. Um, you know, it's, I don't, it's It's genuinely what I love doing.
0: So you said you, you wanted to be in the RAF, was your dad in the RAF?
2: No, he's army, he's artillery, um, but oh, I so think there I always... Been, there would have
0: been arguments in the house then?
2: Yeah, I think, do you know, like growing up where I'd met other people whose parents are military, you always seem to find that they always follow in that Sort of route, and you know, it, be- it does end up becoming a way of life. The way that you would move so much, and just the way it was, it was complete. It's completely different to what it is now. Um, but yeah, I couldn't do that because my eyesight wasn't good enough for it, which is disappointing. But <laughs>
0: did you want to go in as an engineer?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wanted to do weapons technician, um, and my eyesight just was not good enough, and I was gutted. I was thinking, oh my god, well, what am I going to do now? um but yeah it worked out really well i think it actually worked out much better than what i thought or what my planned route would have been you know
0: yeah i don't know whether you've listened to other podcasts but episode one was with petty officer pete spain and he joined the navy because he had hay fever and there were no trees in the sea (laughs) that was his that was his argument for joining the navy over other armed surfaces oh
2: that's fair enough that is fair enough support that
0: yeah so I was just wondering if there was some some gem of information as to why it was the RAF.
2: I think my dad wouldn't let me join the army to be honest. Um yeah, I don't think he'd let me. Bit of a bit of a nicer role.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've never done it. I think engineering is better in the navy and the and the RAF because I'm a um paraphrasing um Sir julian young who said the uh, the army's about the people the navy and the raf are about the equipment so i guess there's more engineering opportunities in in those Mm. two
2: yeah yeah definitely
1: setting yourself this sort of goal at the age of 13 did you have any moment when you said you know what i don't want to do this anymore i want to change i want to do something else this is not for me or
2: i think um When I got to about 18 and I'd been in my apprenticeship for a couple of years, I think I realised that I went into my apprenticeship so naive and I didn't realise, like, I was one of the only females in there and I just wasn't bothered, I think, because I was so young I had no appreciation of, like, what that would mean. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Like, if they don't have any girls, they'll have one now, you know? And then as I got a bit older and you start to see the difference in the impact that you know not having women in industry has i think if i'd have gone down the route of even doing air levels and then trying to get into industry i probably would have been a little bit like should i do that it's a little bit daunting um and i think at that time i remember thinking gosh is this like really something that you fit into and that you do and I thought well yeah because I actually enjoy it that external factor shouldn't make any difference to my job but I definitely think if I had more time to think about it that I would probably be a little bit more hesitant I think I'd still go and do it but I think I'd be a lot more hesitant to to get involved in it yeah definitely do
0: you you think it's been a problem I know women in engineering that and the lack thereof is a problem but do you think for you personally it's affected you
2: uh yeah definitely. I think because i I did go into it so naive, I just thought sort of sort of thought that everybody would look at me the same as a guy, and i and will still say this now being a female will help you get into roles like that. You are positively discriminated sometimes with companies who do know that they need to take more women on, so if it's between you and another guy who's got the same qualifications, if they have enough females, they're more inclined to take you, right? Mm. But I think I went into it really naive and thought that everybody would just sort of look at me the same as every other first, second year, third year apprentice. And then it wasn't until I got into the role where people would say to me, so when you in my apprenticeship you would get put with people to work with them to sort of shadow them in the first few months to find your feet and whenever I worked with anyone they would say listen I'm not going to treat you any differently because you're a girl and they would like address the fact that I was a girl and immediately before I'd even done anything and like because it was such a manual role people would say oh don't worry about picking that up I can do it or don't worry about that it's fine I'll lift that like you don't have to pick it up and I used to say like you know If I'm struggling, which, yes, you are a much stronger male and, you know, you probably can find it a lot easier, but if I'm struggling, I'll ask you, like, you need to let me just get on with it. And I think that that became more of an issue as I got older and I realised the divide and, like, the the reason why there wasn't so many women in these types of roles. Like, it was really daunting. You walk into a, a factory full of men that look at you like you've got a third head and then they're like why would why on earth would you want to do that role and like that's what people used to say why on earth would you want to be in here in overalls and go home full of grease and stuff and I'm like well why not you know um and I think that that sort of plants a seed of doubt in people's minds and they think well should I really be doing this Um, and i think if it wasn't for the fact that you have that push and you know you've got almost job security as an apprentice and you've got something to work towards it would be so easy and i can see why it's so easy that people get into roles like that and then leave because you almost Mm -hmm. feel like when people pointed out there's not a place for you there so you have to sort of personally overcome that first and yeah you know it's just from my experience I, i I bet that that's not the case in lots of places and it's great if it's not. But from my experience, it was a a little bit of a challenge at first. Yeah.
0: Do you think that's, that's down to the people, the cult, like the culture of the company, or do you think it's industry wide?
2: I think it's industry wide. Um, I think I, I really do think it's, so we're at a time at the minute where we have so many more women coming into industry and, mm you know people of my generation of my age are so accepting of it and they're like oh yeah well i've gone through college i've I've gone through university with women like it's not an issue but we're still at the point where we are transitioning into a more diverse workforce within engineering that you still have the people who have never in 30 years of their career worked with a female so to then start working with them i think they it's not that they don't want to work with women i think it's just so unfamiliar Mm. that they feel like they have to address it and not just accept it. And I think that where that's where people think, gosh, like... And I definitely did think, should I be doing this? And they probably didn't even mean it in a bad way. But it's just such a new environment for people to work in. And I remember somebody saying to me that before I'd started, they'd said, right, we've got, like, a female joining. You need to now be careful with what you're saying and what you're doing. And, like, for a few weeks, some like, people wouldn't speak to me and they were a little bit like, oh, gosh, like, what can I say? And it was so ridiculous. It just wasn't needed. Um, and I think that old-fashioned view just just makes it a little bit more difficult to, to keep going.
0: Was it that classic, I guess, almost like a sitcom sketch where, right, we've got a woman joining, so we need to get a lady's toilet sorted and... yeah was it that yeah. bad or was it yeah
2: like where, where i worked it was a huge company and we had like eight plants different um different plants across the the whole of the site and there was one female changing room and we're talking of, uh, there was male changing rooms two in every plant but we had one female changing room it was like this makeshift cupboard that had had lockers put in it because there was more women in maintenance coming in, and you know there was more female operators even coming in as well. And people would have to like walk ten minutes to get to their locker where some of the guys would just chuck stuff in and be like, oh, "I'm at work now." So little things like that yeah. would make people go, "Oh, is, is that really? What should be happening now?" And it it was like we need to be inclusive, and I, it's great. But it, you can just so sort of see that lots of companies are still very behind the times with things,
1: you know. Nicoletta, I was thinking. I think in such a place they panic at first, and they're trying to be extra cautious, and that makes things be so a bit uncomfortable yeah. and out of place. It's it's fine. Just treat me normal. Just I'm I'm a new colleague. It's fine. I'll manage. Yeah. Just talk to me normally. But it's more like, oh my god,
2: he's a woman. It really, really <laughs> is, and like. Yeah. Uh, the, I com- like, so the company that I'm working for now hadn't bat an eyelid. I'm the only female that works there. And they're like, oh yeah, whatever. But like, I was in a, a yeah. factory where people had worked from being 16 and had never had any interaction with women unless they were from. It's like and seeing the, an alien. Yeah, and they were like, why are you here? <laughs> like, it was, and it was just like, just chill. It's fine, it's absolutely fine. Don't worry about it. Um, But yeah. And it it can be really daunting sometimes, it really can. But I think you just have to sort of... I remember the phrase that people used to say to me, you just have to have thick skin to work in an industry like this. You have to have thick skin. If you don't, there's no point you even being here. And I remember thinking, like, that's fine. Like, I, I feel like I do. But when I look at the likes of my younger sister, she would not cope well in an environment like that. And I think that's why, so I try to do lots of STEM work and talks and I when I speak to young people, I don't say to them, oh, it's a breeze, it's a breeze. I'm like, no, you will feel a little bit uncomfortable and you will sometimes think, gosh, what am I doing here? But it's not forever and it's always worth it. And it, it is worthwhile doing because people say, thank you for actually being honest about that. Because it's not a breeze. Being a woman yeah. in a male dominated environment, not just in engineering across any sector, you know. So it is difficult at first, but I think as you get older, you realize not to really care about it. But essentially, the people who are going to be the next generation of engineers, especially female, need help to get over that little bit of a need that push to say it's fine, like, don't worry about it. Yeah. which I think there's, learn
1: to make fun of it
2: yeah and I think there's a massive definitely getting a lot better now there's so many more female role models um, compared to what I feel like there was even when I first started out There, I never had talks from women in school or you know there was no women to sort of look up to in that industry But well, there's so much more of it now which is great Um but I still think there could be a lot more room for improvement on it, definitely.
0: SilverFox proudly supports engineers with all their cable, wire and pipe labelling requirements. The Fox in a the Box thermal printer has the ability to print a whole range of thermal labels with one software, one printer and one ribbon, saving loads of time for the engineers out there in the field. For more information contact sales at silverfox.co.uk or call on plus44 01707 Three seven three seven two seven. Do you think your experience would have been different had you gone to university and then entered sort of the, the less labour-intensive uh, roles in engineering? The, the, the office stuff?
2: Definitely. I think that for the role that I'm doing now, it's perfect, the fact that I've had that background. But I think I'm actually the only one who's come from an apprenticeship, well, technical sort of hands-on background. Um, Mostly everybody else has been at university, Mm. which is great to have that variation in the team, but even those extra four, five years of experience, I feel like has helped me so much more in my career now. And just to have that under my belt, to have worked within the automotive, the injection mould, and now the railway industry... Just that little bit of variation, I feel like give me more life experience as well. It made me grow up a lot quicker, I think, whether that's right or wrongly so, but yeah, I, I do think, and I, I'm the, the biggest um, advocate for apprenticeships. I think they're fantastic. I completely get the lots of roles. You have to go down the university route. That's the only way to get into it. But if you, essentially want to be a project manager one day i think apprenticeships are the best way to get your foot in the door and get that life experience and get that appreciation of the industry that you're working in from all different levels i do think they're really really good and you know it also comes down to the thing of you you normally find that throughout your apprenticeship you're qualified to h and c level and people say, oh, "I want, I want my full degree," which I get. But then, lots of companies will then keep you on and say, "Right, let's do your HND. Let's finish off your degree. Let's do this." Like you know, you. I always had a day release where I will continue working, and studying at the same time. And even still, I'm doing that now. Mm. You know, I'm out of my apprenticeship, but I'm studying on the side as well. So, what are you studying do, for? Um, I'm studying my HND mechanical. Um. so I, you know yes it will take a little bit longer to get my degree but I feel mm-hmm. like my experience and what I feel like I've achieved so far in my career is a, I would I've got a lot more than what I would have by going to university mm-hmm. you know it's different for everybody but I just really enjoyed that hands on aspect of it
0: yeah I think one thing we we have talked about on this podcast before is the lack of hands on at university. I've mentioned it I think Nicolette has mentioned it it's uh you know it's all well and good knowing the theory but speaking to engineers on this podcast and in in work you get a, a uh an engineer who comes out of university who knows everything but doesn't know how to do anything um so yeah i think I I think both have their place, but there's definitely sort of a lack of doing.
2: Yeah, I think there definitely is, because I I remember going through my apprenticeship and all of my um, modules would be around, like, all sort of tailored to my apprenticeship. So I was doing a toolmaker-specific apprenticeship. And when we would do the theory side of things, I would be like, great, I know this inside out. I could I could do that with my eyes closed. But then when I actually went to apply it in industry it looked completely different. There was little, I think the best thing that I learned from doing an apprenticeship is finding out the little tips and tricks from people who had done it and go, actually, I know you've been taught it that way and that's the theory side of it, but doing it like this is so much better. And that's what you don't get. I think it would be great if you had a sort of hybrid um, course that would let you, what you're studying, if if you can, then move on to hands-on side of things. I think that would set people up a lot better to then move into industry because you know mm. you you have people and and I've definitely seen it in in my career where people say you should do it like this or it should be like that and it's not it's not anywhere close to to what it's practically like and how how you do it if that makes sense mm. so I do agree, and I think when you when you have a range of different people who learn different ways. To say, if you're hands-on and that's the best way that you learn, you must go down the apprenticeship route. It will take you longer to get your degree, but it's because you learn like that, so you have to learn it that way. And then go if on, if you like the theory side of things a lot more, you must go down the route of university, not have any exposure to the hands-on side of things, and then have to experience that once you're qualified. I think somewhere in the middle would be perfect for lots of people, you know. I think it's quite divided on how people learn and it's not its not really great for trying to get the best out of people, is it? It's like
1: the sandwich programmes where, yeah. you, where you can have one year in the industry during the university. Yeah, Nicoletta,
0: some of us should do it. <laughs> Sorry, I spent <laughs> the entire of this podcast series trying to convince Nicoletta to do a placement.
2: Yeah, yeah. well, when I was speaking to people the other day, I just a call with... Um, is sixth form college, and they were all like, I really want to go down the university route. And I was like, that's fine. Um, you know, I think it's great getting into roles like that, but I would 100% recommend getting placement, doing a placement year to, one, get your foot in the door with companies, you know, look at the different industries that mm. you want to work in, but then to also get a little bit of work experience. It's all well and good working and doing your degree for three years. But if you get into a if you get into a role and it's nothing like you expected and it's not what you want to do, it's very hard for people who've just gone into industry to then start demanding what roles they want to move into yeah. to try and find something that works for them. So yeah. I do I do think doing a pleasant yeah would be great. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes. Okay. All right. Um You've mentioned your STEM ambassadorship on a couple mm. of a couple of times. Um, do you want to tell us more about it?
2: Yeah, so um, the STEM ambassador network is mainly, um, well, in my experience, I know it's not all of them, all of the people that are involved with it, but lots of people who are apprentices or in industry or um, studying at the time, just trying to help influence um, young people into moving into STEM roles you know, we've only got 14, specifically women, and you know, we've only got 14% of engineers that are, impl- uh, that, are that are female. So that blows my mind that, that, that there's that short amount of people. And when you actually look at it, so there's lots of, when I do talks to people, the younger they are, the the females i'm talking about the younger that they are they are a lot more excited about moving into sem roles as they get older that drops massively so from children of the ages of 11 to 14 46 percent of women who you speak to females um are really keen to get into roles like that, but then when you speak to people from the ages of 16 to 18, that drops to 25% of them want to get into STEM roles. And it's a huge, huge jump, right? But then you look at higher education and 34% of people in higher education and STEM roles are female, but then only 24% go into the workforce. So we're dropping it again, and mm. I think that's the environment that you you go into. And like I said, as you got older, you think, "Oh gosh, is this really what I should be doing?" And you have a massive drop in people, and and have young girls wanting to move into roles like that. So then, for me, twenty four percent of people that are in STEM roles in the workforce, only fourteen percent of them are in engineering. You know, it's not...
0: Mm.
2: There's something along the way that is stopping people from moving into those roles. And I always go back to the thing of being, you can't be what you can't see. The lack of role models in that industry will have a massive impact on young girls. Unless you are going to say, do you know what, I'm going to go do it and that's it. It makes it very difficult to have that little bit of a push to say this is what we should be doing. And the whole point of the STEM ambassador network is to do exactly that, to just make people understand that, it, you know, it's absolutely fine if you're a female and you want to go into industry, but it's also to educate young boys from and from a young age to make sure that they see that it's absolutely fine as well. You know, you're breaking that, that stigma around it from being such a young age, we're all influenced when we were younger of what your mum and dad think. You know, they say that you're most like the five people that are around you. And if around you, you have teachers that aren't aware of the amount of women that go into industry, and you have a dad, for example, that works in industry and has never worked with women, you can see how that collective idea starts to come together from a young age.
0: Mm.
2: And... I think it's really important to focus on primary school children to just make it a thing where they they wouldn't even bat an eyelid at a woman in industry. Mm. And I think that's the way it should be, you know? And I think, I really do think that we're in that point where it is becoming more, it, it sounds ridiculous, but acceptable for women to go into roles like that. And I really do think that over time, it won't be an issue when you start to see people who have never had that in their career start to retire and move out of industry the next lot of people mm. that come through don't see it any other different any different so i think that will massively help but i think it's just one of those things that are going to take time but you need to you need to have those those contacts and those role models that you can speak to you know mm.
0: do you think it's do you think more needs to be done by other industries where it's it's the other way so like women heavy to convince more boys to go in there to to balance it out more
2: yeah absolutely it's a a rogue way
0: of looking at it but i don't think anyone has
2: it is and like it's really difficult so just an old sort of traditional way of what people look at it if you had a guy that was working in her hairdressers or that was a nurse people would predominantly think that that's female right mm. and there isn't the push for men to work in that industry is what there are for women to work in predominantly male industries not just in engineering across the board and anything that there, mm. there's not the equal push for men to work in roles like that which is a bit hypocritical You know, it's except women and everywhere that they want to go, but where's the drive for men to? Mm. And I think across the board, it would be great for lots of companies and collectively for people to say, men and women can work in any industry. I think the fact that it's so... the, The STEM engineering world is so saturated with people trying to get females into it in so many programs and like, International Women's Day for example recently, some companies went above and beyond for it
0: Mm.
2: and I'm like where is it for men if you're going to do that for one but also, the women that I know from my experience in industry wouldn't appreciate that as much as what you think they would nobody wants to be sat round a table and be gifted because you're a female, like yeah being a female is great but you don't go into roles like this to be picked out of other people and that like, you're better and we're going to dedicate a day to you because you're female. People just want to be an employee. That's it. It just
1: feels a bit uncomfortable, yeah. When they're like, oh my God, because you're a woman doing engineering. Yeah, let's push you. Go into, I don't know, every single society possible, every yeah. single event about women in engineering. and It's fine. I know what I'm doing. You don't have to point it out so heavily because it's just, thank you. That's fine.
2: <laughs> great. Yeah, it's and it, it also goes the so lots of people would say you need to encourage more women into STEM roles, which I absolutely do, but then I feel like it goes the complete other way and it's too much. And yeah, I get that people are trying to be really inclusive, like, that's great. But then it's not actually not any more beneficial than what it would have just been to just leave us and let us crack on. You know, yeah, I think that's what most women think. And you know, if you disagree with me, let me know. But, like, from my <laughs> experience, people are like, Oh, god, like, I
1: don't want yeah. to really
2: get up because I'm a female. <laughs> you know,
1: I'm not even in the industry, and I, I can feel that sometimes it's yeah, because you're, yeah, you're a female, you can do this. Yes, let me help you. And I'm like, I didn't ask for help. If I do need help, I'll ask, but don't point out just
2: because you're a female, these sort
1: of remarks. Mm-hmm. It's yeah.
0: I guess, especially you, Amber, having been the only woman in the office. <laughs> I, I, I'm not saying that, uh, th- that your company did it, but if you were in that situation and there was a massive deal, we've hired a female, so we're going to celebrate International Women's Day. Yeah. It could be quite isolating, yeah, I guess.
2: Yeah, and like my company didn't do that. You know, they didn't do anything about International Women's Day, and I wouldn't want them to because I don't yeah. want them to say, because you're a female, we're going to celebrate you. Like, no, you know, <laughs> it sounds terrible and it sounds so hypocritical from me coming from be like, you know, let's promote women, let's tell everyone <laughs> to get women in, but then I'm like, no, 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 no not, not that much, you know, it's a little bit too far now. It, I think it really, really... But then there's, like, there's so many phrases that people come out with, like, she or... Oh, Silly mm. things like that, and I'm like, nobody, nobody wants that. Like, just we've got a team of engineers. That's it. Not we've got a team of engineers. Or in in that we've got two females. It's just like, yeah. come on,
0: yeah. What what I I I saw CEO in your notes, but I've got no. What is CEO?
2: So you know, like um, when people will say, like, oh girl boss doing so well in industry and like instead of a CEO you know making uh,
0: okay. being a yeah, CEO yeah.
2: like if you ever got to that point that's absolutely great but you don't have to point out the fact that you're a female you know I feel maybe at some point it
1: makes you second guess your knowledge and feel like an imposter it's like Ev- did I get this job because I'm knowledgeable and I'm capable or because I'm a woman mm-hmm. and you feel like you need to prove so much more yeah.
2: I, I get horrendous imposter syndrome anyways. I think that's just, like, yeah. probably the way that I am. But I think
1: yeah.
2: it is difficult. And I've seen it mainly in my apprenticeship. I feel like now I'm a lot more competent and I know that I'm good at my job. And you get that from experience. But I remember when people used to point things out to me and say, oh, if you can't do this, it's fine. Or, you know maybe think twice about what you're going to do. And I, I would be like, the fact you've just said that, I'm going to do it twice as well as what you've just told me. And it gives you that little bit of like fire in your belly to be like, no, I will I will do this a lot better than what you already thought I would. And like when you when you actually look at it as well. So people talk about that and women talk about the fact that they feel like there's a lot more pressure put on them and that they feel like they might not perform as well and they have huge imposter syndrome but like when you look at females that take, uh, that do a university uh, go down the university route 79.8% of females come out with um, first in mechanical engineering where 74% of those that are male come out with it, and when you look at the statistics of people moving into industry it gets lower for people for women as they get older but then the women that are in industry or the women that going to the down, down the university route their grades actually get better than the males as it as you look through the different levels of education and it's true and I know exactly where that comes from it's purely that people think. Or you get the feeling that people think you're incapable of doing your job, so you feel like you have to prove yourself. And I definitely did yeah. that. I definitely did. And I remember thinking, "Oh my god, I can't believe you've made me feel like this. I'm going to have to work so much harder." But now I'm actually really grateful for it because I've probably performed a lot better than what I would have from that pressure and that environment. But yeah, it's um, it is difficult, and it. It's open in a huge kind of ways because there's so many issues across this industry. But I think it all comes down to just breaking that bias and that stigma and just being accepting of people and not treating people any better because they're female, but just treating everybody equal, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's a goal. I don't think men and women will ever be equal. I don't think we'll ever get a 50-50 gender split in every single role there is in the world and a 50 50 gender split and men and women aren't equal they're not equal in terms of treating them and and just being like okay well you're in this role and you can do it whether you're a male or a female the same way exactly to the same level i think that's that's the goal that has to be the goal yeah
2: and like just going back quickly to what you said about men and women aren't equal they're not but that's like the beauty of it women will bring things to your team that Mm. men don't men will bring things to your team that women never can you know it's not just one way that women are equal if not better than ma- males it's that we're all different we all bring different things to the team and you the whole point of conversations like this is to make people realize that embracing that will get the best output of your team of the of your performance of people's life experiences through work, you know, you spend so much time at work, it needs to be an inclusive, nice environment to work in and excluding genders, Mm. religions, sexualities. will you don't get to do that in real life, so it shouldn't be the case in the workplace.
1: Going quite back uh, again from your notes, you said you worked with a couple of customers um, and industries such as Lavazza and BMW and all of that do you have a favorite
2: so when I left my apprenticeship I moved into MPI for a injection molding company and one of their major customers was Brompton Bicycles and they were fantastic they they are definitely my favorite um you know, if you ever get a chance to go to the Brompton factory, it's fantastic. It really, really is.
0: Did you get to get one?
2: No, I didn't get one, but I did get to go out in their Brompton Village and uh, try all the new mm. bikes and have a race with some of the uh, guys from their team. But it's really, really <laughs> great. Really good company. Um They've just set up. A new thing about having a... You know, you get all these mental health ambassadors and first aiders and stuff from work, but they've set it up mm-hmm. externally to help people, you know, talk about what they're feeling and not have to do it in the workplace. They're a really, really good company. They've got a lot of good values.
0: They've hired mental aid first aiders from an external company. Yeah. Talking to your colleagues about your colleagues is, can always be a bit a bit iffy.
2: Yeah. And it's um, companies will come forward and say, right, who wants to be the mental um, health first aider in the team? And if that's not somebody that you get on with, you're never going to use that. And to be quite honest, would I ever go to somebody that I work with really closely about all the issues that I'm having in my life? I know they'd support me, but no. no, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable with doing that. So I think having it external was great and they're really... Um, forward thinking. I think when you work with different customers, and their their ethics as a company, and how they treat their employees, when that's something that's really good that you look at and you think, God, that's great. That's really they automatically become better customer. You know that they're doing things because they're kind, good people with a good sort of i well-rounded idea of the type of place and world that we live in so they're definitely my favorite they were they were really good and it was a really fun factory like i've never ever seen anything like it
0: they've just announced they're building a new one i think
2: yeah they um, on stilts they they're in greenford yeah they're um they're there, and they have not been there too long, and they are just doubling in size every year. They do really, really well. Mm. I think lockdown massively helped, but like everyone was out on bikes, which is which is great. Yeah, you couldn't get one
0: if you no. wanted a new one. It was like a six six week wait for a yeah. bike because I looked and I couldn't. Yeah, just couldn't. Like Halfords, Halfords were ha- selling bikes. Like they'd be like, oh, we're getting new ones in. At eight o'clock on I don't know Monday morning, by nine o'clock they were sold out. Yeah.
2: Crazy, yeah, yeah. They're um, they're really good, and they've got lots of exciting new things coming up. And yeah, really good. I've, it's not even a customer that I work with anymore, but I really like them.
0: <laughs> Brompton bicycles. She's looking for a free bike. There you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. But <laughs> well, we've we've talked quite extensively about all the things uh that need to change in in uh in engineering. What do you like?
2: I think the fact that we're even having this conversation is great, you know. Years ago it wouldn't have even been something that would happen. People would be like, that's not a, a female's role and I genuinely really, really enjoy my job, really enjoyed my apprenticeship, the hands on side of things. And if I know that there will be lots of people out there that would equally love that role, that would never, ever have the push to go do it, and I think the fact that conversations like this happen and companies are a lot more aware that they need more females in industry, I think that's the best thing about it. And it makes me really confident for my future that the industry is getting better, it's going to be more inclusive, and I feel like I will see in my career vast improvement to what we're already at now and I will get to I'll never sit there and think gosh I need to go out of my way so the likes of my sister moves into a role like this and never feels worried about it I'd like to hope and I think from the direction that we're going in that that will just be the case and you won't have to really sit and address it and I think that's the best thing you know it's um, it's exciting and it, it'll change the industry massively. And I think that's what people don't realise: mm. the opportunities and the things that different people can bring from different backgrounds of different likes and dislikes can can bring to your company and your team. It's really, really valuable. Mm. Yeah. You,
0: you mentioned you've mentioned your sister. Does she want to go into engineering?
2: Yeah, she does actually, but she's actually joining the RAF, so I'm a little bit jealous. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> She's actually joining the RAF, yeah. Um, She's doing her A-levels at the minute. And I think she she never, ever would have done it, ever, if I hadn't gone into a role like that. And, like, my cousin was like, she's 16, leaving school. And she was like, oh, I think I'd quite like to actually do that. Like, you still get to enjoy yourself and it's not terrible. And like i i had a message the other week of somebody on linkedin from someone that i'd had a uh, i'd done a talk with in a college maybe a year and a half ago on over zoom when everyone was doing that and pushing it i'm in lockdown and she said oh yeah i've got an apprenticeship like thank you so much you really sort of pushed me to, to apply for them and go into jobs like that, she said, and I'm really enjoying it, so thanks. And I was like, oh, it's lovely stuff like that. It makes it worthwhile. It's really rewarding to be able to do that. So, yeah, it is nice. You get to see little bits of improvement over time. Um but hopefully one day it'll be we all good. <laughs>
0: is, is, your, is your sister going to do A-levels, then uni, then RAF, or is she going straight in?
2: Um, she's going to do... A levels and then
0: join straight away when she's finished her A levels, yeah um okay, so we've got always well, got two questions that we end the podcast with um the first is, would you change your route if 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 someone said to thirteen year old amber amber you can go do exactly the same thing again, not again because you haven't done it yet, because you're only thirteen, but or go to university, do it that way, and you know probably not face the same difficulties that you have in your career. Do you still stick the same way
2: yeah, definitely definitely I wouldn't and I still don't think that even now after doing it that the university route would have been right for me you know my one of the things that I just don't think how which is completely irrelevant to the role that you're doing and what you want to move in the industry you want to move into but like when my friends were at university it was they were very chilled all the time they yes they weren't doing an engineering degree and but that life probably wouldn't have fit me very well. Like, mm. I they would be going out all the time and I would be on night shift, like... And I was quite happy with that. And I remember I mm. used to... It got to a point where I was like, oh, my gosh, all the time. I'm missing out on things. My friends are going to parties and, and it's not even me anyways. I, I come home on a Friday night and I have a glass of wine on the couch with my dog. Like, <laughs> I, I'm still not like that. But I used to think, "Gosh, am I missing out on stuff?" And then it wasn't until everybody left university and they were struggling to get a job, and they were going back to the jobs that they'd had right the way through university, mm. and they were like, "And and then I just moved in. I just moved into a new role, which was a step up for me in my career. And I feel like I've got into working industry a lot quicker, and I've got that foundation, and I've made those mistakes." Mm in my career already and I genuinely enjoyed my routine and I would do it again so maybe I'm saying that because I've never had an insight into it and you might Nicoletta you might say that no I really enjoyed it but I think I don't feel like I've missed out on anything if anything I think I've done better than what I thought I would um at my age in terms of where I'm going in my career yeah and I think that was mainly Mm -hmm. down to the fact that I'd done an apprenticeship
1: I think that was one of the quickest responses we've had for that question yeah really
0: (laughs) yeah normally people are like well you don't hear it in the podcast but because we cut it out but people are pondering that quite quite a lot Um, (laughs) yeah but did did you have any friends who did engineering at university
2: yes I've got some of my friends that are on a placement year now Um, and then going back to do the masters and some of them really really enjoy it and they're all males and not female Um, but then some of them are like I wish I'd gone down the route of an apprenticeship you know like why am I still studying and doing a placement yeah yeah now but like I could have six years experience under my belt by now and I know that I'm gonna get to the end of this course And I could potentially not have a job as well. I think it's that um, real life worries that then come into it. It's not, I'm a student now and I can do what I want. When that end is in sight, people start to panic and then always reevaluate what they've done and where they're going to go with their career. But some of them have liked it, some of them wish they'd done an apprenticeship. I I think it really, really comes down to what type of learner you are and what excites you and what sparks that interest and keeps it there as well. Mm. And I think that hands-on side of it did it for me. I did like the theory aspect where I could see things coming into um, coming into my role as I progressed through my apprenticeship and being like, oh, I learnt about that and I know what this is and I know that. And it, you start to piece it together, but then I always felt really disappointed that it never matched up to be what I thought it would be from the theory side of it it was always what my lecturer's point of view was and how they interpreted it and if my lecturer is teaching me the theory side of it that they got taught by somebody else who got taught by somebody else and you've got three people who have never had that experience in industry it can become a very warped view of what you're going to do and I think that's something that also people don't look at either.
0: I guess the final question is if you could go back in time because we're we're engineers so we can time travel now um, (laughs) and and tell 13 year old Amber anything about the role what would you say to her?
2: I think it would be you'll be fine that would be it I'd just say you'll be fine because I think I was so naive but I also was a little bit apprehensive of doing anything you know at that age moving into any industry the Hmm. the the fact that it was male dominated wasn't an issue for me at the time. But I did panic about growing up and where I was gonna be and because I think I don't I didn't have set roots as a child in one house that we grew up in forever. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know where my life's gonna take me. But then to to counter that and look back at it, we moved every two years. I had to make friends with people in school. I had to go up to speak to people. I feel like my social skills are a lot better from that. I wouldn't have probably been as outgoing and just happy to speak to people if I didn't have that life experience. But I think at the time it was a massive worry, and I think, and I would say to any anyone at that age wanting to pursue any career, you'll be absolutely fine. If you know what you want to do, and even if you don't know what you want to do, as long as you work hard and you're nice and you're a good person, you'll be absolutely fine. And that's what it comes down to, isn't it? Everyone hmm. panics for the worry of the fear of the unknown. So... Yeah,
0: I think yeah, that would be it. brilliant. Lovely. All left to say is thank you very much, Amber. Uh, it's been a pleasure putting the world to rights and fixing engineering. We've we've done <laughs> it. We've done it in under an hour. Um, Literally. So thank you very much. No, thank you very much
2: for having me. It was lovely to speak to you both.
0: Thank
1: you.
2: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Engineering Stories podcast.
1: We hope it's given you some insight into another area of engineering. If you're still here at this point, we must be doing something right. So stay tuned for the next guest and in the meantime, share this episode with your friends
2: and family and don't forget to subscribe.